You are listening to a teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled, My Jubilee Church. This series explores six attributes of Jubilee that in part define what we're all about. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. get to participate in what God is doing, that he's got purpose for um, the money that he's allowed us to earn and the money that he's asked us to give, like he's got purpose for what we're, for what we are um, able to participate in. It was such a pleasure to be able to give and help somebody out knowing they had maybe trouble going to pay their heating bill or something, but they were free for a little bit and it was the greatest feeling just to be able to give. There's just an excitement to be able to say, hey, we can give this. We can only give this because God has entrusted us with it. And there's a freedom that comes in being able to be open-handed and trust that, God, you know what? You give us everything that we need. You're the owner of it all and that you are a good father and that we can absolutely 100% trust you with everything. 100% comes from God. The job that I have, God placed me where I am. God provides Everything that I have, everything that I don't have, God, is through God. You have to see past the money, but you have to see that it's an investment into the kingdom of God. It's an investment into people. It's an investment sometimes even into the next generation. It's transcendent. And the kingdom of God is eternal. And God uses money to work in eternal matters. And so when you can look at it like that, and it's not my money. Right. It's God's money. Well, we're going to continue our series, um, hashtag My Jubilee Church, where we've been taking a look at some things that have defined Jubilee Church for the past 19 years, and by God's grace, we'll continue to find Jubilee Church. And the first thing that we talked about is that we want to be a church that genuinely knows God, not just knows facts about God, but hey, we we subjectively and relationally know God, because after all, that is the invitation from God. It's not to enter a religion, it's to enter relationship. And so we want to experientially know God. We want to pursue him. Secondly, we talked about how we want to be defined by our love for each other, that, that we, we're part of a church that loves us. And we love them, which means that we supersede this kind of superficial and artificial, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, my, my, I lost my job and my kids hate me, but I'm fine. I'm doing fine. Everything's fine. We want to get past that. But that doesn't mean that we sit around and sing kumbaya to each other because we have a message. That we've been impacted by the gospel. We've been impacted by the message of Jesus. It's transformed our lives. And we want that message to be pushed out into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into every nook and cranny of this city. And by God's grace, through the city, the world, we want to communicate that message because it's come to us and we want to pass it on to others. And last week we talked about that means that almost certainly means that we're given to service. By definition, a Christian is, is someone who follows Jesus. They, they want to be like Christ. Jesus said of himself, I have not come to be served, but to serve. Which means that my definition of success isn't when I build, when, you know, when people ser- serve me, when people make food for me, when people um, wash my camel, when they carry my bag. That's not what, I, that's not what I'm building toward, but I, success to me is when I can serve others. When I can, when I can give to others, when I can minister to others, and ultimately dying for others. 
And so this week we want to talk about generosity. And I just want you to know, if you're part of Jubilee, you're part of a generous church. Let me show you a, a slide here. Um, 2015, in helping other churches, to help other churches, to start new churches and to strengthen other churches, we gave away $122,679 um, in benevolence and giving to individuals in need, 53400 a total of 176079 Of all four locations, our in- income was just under a million dollars. If you're not good at math, that's about 17.5%. That we that didn't come to us, but we pushed outside of us. Let me show you over the past five years, uh, we've, in helping other churches to start them, strengthen them, we've given them $555,739. In benevolence, we've given away $164,312, a grand total of $720,051. In, in the past five years, we've given anywhere between 15 and 20% of our income has gone outside of us. Let me ask you a question. How many here like that, that we've done that? Who here, who here thinks, anybody here think we sh- anybody here thinks we should have given less? No one, really. You think, I mean, because we, I mean, we could have got better p- facilities. We could have we done more, I mean, there's some ministry leaders that would have wanted some more money. Hey, could have paid me more. Um, could have bought more, you know, could have had, you know, the staff in general get more money or more staff or what? We, there are things that we needed to get. We could have done that. We could have, but we've decided to be generous to others. In fact, if you go back in our history, if you go back in our history, when, when the church was get, first getting started, I mean, they couldn't even afford, the church couldn't even afford to uh, pay the staff. And a lot of the staff got outside support in order to, in order for there to be a staff. But we, we have always decided to give 10% plus outside of us. We've organized as a church around generosity. Now let me ask you a question. What about you? Do, do you live that way? Do you organize your life around? I mean, everybody raised their hand when they said that we should have done that. So, I mean, I'm assuming that's how you live too. Oh, no? Okay. You're part of a generous church. Are you... A generous, what is a generous person anyway? What, how do you define a generous person? Because we all feel generous. I mean, no one here, you know, we're not, no one's cackling, counting their gold bars. No one's, no one feels greedy. But, so what does it mean to be a generous person? Because I've always defined being a generous person. I've always thought, well, hey, I'm, if so, I give randomly. Like I, I'm, I, if someone, there's some random act of giving, I'm, I'm all about, I'm willing to give money. So I've always thought that defines generous. You know what random act of giving is? You know, like somebody uh, in your neighborhood is down and out. You pull out your wallet, you give them some money. You give to people in need. Or there's something happening at your kid's school and you give to that. Or, you know, there's a natural disaster that happens. You text in some money give to the Red Cross, you know, random acts of give, or even as a church, we, you know, we have needs from time to time that are urgent. We'll say, hey, will you give? In fact, just last January, um, in our 20s conference, we had 350 or so 20-somethings. And we say, hey, we've got brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and they are without food and water. They are dying, literally. We need to give. In those 20-somethings in the afternoon gave over $20,000, and it was awesome. I love random acts of giving. I'm all for random acts of giving, but my hope for us, my hope for myself, and I believe God's hope for you is that you would do more than just random acts of giving, but you would become a generous person. To be good at random acts of giving, all you need is a person like me uh, to stand in front of you and inspire you to give. 
you know, big pervasive voice, you know, Mike. And, you know, I show some sad pictures of some kids and I just sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it, sell it. And so I inspire you to give or I, I guilt you to give. I, I, can, I can guilt you into these random acts of, of giving or I can bribe you to give. You ever been bribed to give? You know, hey, if you give God $100, he'll give you 1000 back. You ever done that? Has that ever happened to you? We don't, we, by the way, we don't do that here. You know why we don't do it here? It ain't in the Bible, yo. And so we, that's one. But also, you are all, God has already blessed you financially. You live in the United States of America. You, if you are below average economically, you're still in the very top echelon of the wealthiest people in the world. God has already blessed you. He's already given you your 10. He doesn't need to give you your He's already done that. But here's the thing about generous people. Generous people do not need to be sold to give. They do not need to be inspired to give. They don't need to be guilted into give because they've already organized their life around being generous. In fact, it's hard to make a generous person feel guilty because it's okay for them to say no to something because they've already said yes to something else. They've made it a priority in their life. And that's what Jesus is saying in this text. A generous person is someone who doesn't just give when they're asked, but they actually build their life around generosity. So let's just take a look at that. If you have your Bible, uh, just flip back, leave it on your lap, Luke 12. It was read earlier, um, but if you could open that back up, we're going to just walk through these verses together and pull out a few things to learn. What does it mean to be a generous person? Uh, Verse 15, he says, uh, take care, be on your guard against all covetedness. And that word covetedness means greed, can just mean greed. So the opposite of generosity is is greed. And so he's saying in order to be a generous person, one of the characteristics of a generous person is they are always on guard against greed. They're very conscious of it because it's creeping up to get them. Everywhere we turn, there is this, temptation and this invitation to be greedy. Jesus says it's something you need to watch out for. You need to watch your back. You need to be suspicious of yourself. Don't trust yourself with money. Be on your guard. He didn't say that about any other sin, by the way. He didn't say be on your guard against sexual immorality. He didn't say be on your guard against lying. He didn't say be on your guard against stealing. He says be on your guard. There's something about greed that is seductive and subtle, that you have to be careful. So if you're here this morning, like, I'm not a greedy person, I'm worried for you. Because you're not on your guard. You're not battling it. You're not fighting it. You're not saying, get away from me, greed. So a generous person is asking himself 100 questions. Do I really need, is this what I need? Is it, do I, can I say, can I, can I live more simply? I got a raise. God, do you give me permission to spend more money to upgrade my lifestyle? A generous person is on their guard. On their guard. And then he follows up with the statement, for one's life, this seems like an obvious statement, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. So he's saying, if you want to lean away from greed and toward generosity, then you will think that life does not equal the abundance of your possessions. And someone's like, duh, of course not. I mean, I know life doesn't mean possessions. Really? Do we? Do we really get that? So if someone from another planet was to come and observe us, I wonder what they'd say. 
man, these people are crazy. I mean, they, they, they have all this stuff, but then they go into these big buildings, and they come out of these big buildings with more stuff. It's crazy. And then, and then they, like, get on a, they look through a magazine, or they get on the computer, and all of a sudden, this big brown truck shows up, and there's more boxes of stuff. And then they go and they get, they got a closet full of stuff, but then they go and get a closet more full of stuff and they throw the other stuff away. And they have this at these attics where they put all their extra stuff and they have these basements where they put all their extra stuff and they have these garages where they put all this extra stuff, but then they keep buying more stuff. It's almost like they need to buy stuff in order to live. It's so easy to live under the assumption that life equals the acquisition of stuff, of better, of newer, of shinier, of upgrading, of, of better. In fact, we'll, we'll go into debt to do this. We'll go into debt to buy stuff. We'll go into debt to buy cars. We'll lease cars. We'll borrow money to buy cars because we need an, up, we need an upgrade. We'll leverage ourselves unhelpfully, even on our, with our homes. Get very creative about how I can get more out of this life and then you know, an opportunity to give comes along like, hey, you know, I'd love to, but I can't afford it. And God's like, really? That's never stopped you before. You know, some people think that they don't make enough money to be generous. They think that it's not a financial possibility, but only because it's not a financial priority. I mean, let's just, okay, how much? How much more do you need to be generous? If you got a 10% raise tomorrow, would that be enough? Would, if you got a 20% raise or a 30% raise, would that be enough to make you more generous? The, the truth is, it, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't make you more generous. Uh, it doesn't matter how much more money you make because generosity isn't an, is not a, uh, a money issue. It is a spiritual issue and it's a contentment issue. See, contentment and discontentment is like an appetite. The more you feed it, the more it grows. And there's always, there's always something, if, oh, if only, there's always this if only, if only if I had this. And then you get to that if only, and then you need more, and then you need more, and then you need more, and then you need more. Here's the reality. Just think back. So if 20%, hey, if I got 20% raise, I'd be more generous. Okay, how about 20% ago? Are you more generous now than you were then? Probably not. Statistically, in fact, the more, that, the more money we make, the less generous we are. Check this out. Do you know what the number one cause of stress and worry is in America? You'll never guess. <laughs> the number one cause of stress and worry in the wealthiest country ever is money. What are we worrying about? We're not worrying about basic needs. Most of us aren't. Some of us might be, but most of us are not. We're worrying if we will have enough now or enough later to have the stuff that we want, the services we want, the opportunities we want, the lifestyle we want. And that is why we worry. According to a study done by the Atlantic, let me show you this. I have this chart for you. They def- this isn't me. This is them. They defined what is essential, housing, transportation, food, some other things. And they, and they said, this, how much is left after essentials? If you make $20,000, you have, on average, $2,450 in disposable income. If you make between fifty dollars and $70,000, you have 
$14,400 in disposable income. If you make $150,000 or more, you have 57% in disposable income. On the low ends, you have 15% margin. On the high end, you have 40% margin. Now, a couple things about this. Number one, I, and I spent hours, I lost hours last week thinking about this one thing. We call this disposable income. How crazy is that? You tracking what that means? So I've got this money that's disposable. Uh, we, so you go, go to a third world country. Yeah, we've got, I've got this food that's disposable and I brrr, waste it. And I've got this money that's disposable. Don't really need it. That's one thing. Second thing here, I doubt, I doubt, I could be wrong. If you, I doubt, I doubt if you make 50, 70,000 that you feel like you've got that kind of margin. I doubt if you make that, that you feel like you have that kind of, I doubt that you feel that you have that kind of margin. You know why? To some degree, you have bought into the lie that life equals the acquisition of possessions. That's why you don't feel like you have that margin. Because there's just some things that you've got to have. You want to be a generous person? You want to stop? If you want to lean away from being greedy and you want to move toward being generous, it's going to transform how you think. Here's, here's one of the things that he... Because generosity is more than an activity. It's a mindset. And one of the mindsets that... Jesus is trying to attack is this, is this consumption assumption. You know what that is? That is, if it comes to me, it's the assumption, if it comes to me, it's for me. If it comes to me, it's for me. If you live under the consumption assumption, then Jesus is saying that's, that's what a greedy person does. A greedy person assumes that what comes to me is for me. And he's trying to move us away from that. That life is, he's trying to move us away from life is about consuming. Consuming entertainment, consuming hobbies, nicer homes, nicer cars, whatever it is. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't mean that having nice stuff is bad. But it's when it becomes, that's life to me. That means it's non-negotiable to me. It's not, it's not, um, it's something I have to have. But God has made you to be greater. God has called you to a greater purpose than to be a consumer. God has called you to be a contributor, to be generous like him. He doesn't want you to be a consumer. He wants you to be a distributor. But to do that, you have to abolish this consumption assumption. Instead of building your life around bigger and nicer, you begin to build your life around generosity. And then he begins to tell a story, a parable, to illustrate what he's talking about. So let's, let's walk through this again and just kind of pull some things out. He told him a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. So even 2,000 years ago, the rich get richer. Right? They're like, oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, the rich get richer, of course. That's the way it works. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. You know what he did? He did what he always did. He, he had this level of income, and now his income went up. He, it wasn't, it didn't, more income did not make him more generous. It just gave him more stuff. So here's what he did. He assumed, and the reason why he did that, because he assumed that what came to him was for him. So he says, you know what I'll do? I'll tear down my barns. I'll build larger ones. I'll upgrade. If my income goes up, my lifestyle goes up. That's the way it works. And then, then I'll store all my grains and goods. So I'll have enough to consume now and I'll have enough to consume later. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I have enough for me now and I have enough for me later. I'm golden. And everyone in that audience would be like, man, that, that guy is golden. 
and God has blessed him, and he's he got you know, and he's he's got enough for now. He's got that is that is that is the ideal. That is what I want for my life. I want to have an all that I need. I want I want to have all that I want to consume now, and I want to have enough to consume later. That's awesome. What does God say to that? God said to him, "Fool." Now, why is he a fool? Because he's rich? No. Because he, did, he was deceived and confused about wealth. He assumed that what came to him was for him. So he's a fool. By the way, um, and, and I hope you never forget this, the way that you spend money will make you a fool in someone's eyes. The thing that you have to decide this morning is whose eyes do you want to be a fool in? If you get a bonus at work and everyone goes out and buys a nicer car, but you and they ask you, what'd you do with your money? Well, I gave it away. They will think you're a fool. If you get a bonus at work and, and you give it away and your mom calls you and says, hey, what'd you do with your money? I gave it all away. You mean you didn't save anything? She thinks you're a fool. The guy in this story that upgraded and saved and had enough for, na- for now and, and enough for, to consume later, to him, God, is, God says to that guy, he's a fool. The guy who upgrades and the guy who saves, like this, like this that that becomes his life. By the way, saving's good. That's another message. But just to say, this idea that this is the priority in my life, God says, fool. Because, this, because tonight your soul is required of you. You're out of time even though you're not out of money. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? There will be a moment in your life that all that you work for, all your upgrading, all your better TVs, your cars, your homes, your vacations, your hobbies, all of that, all, your, all of that will come to nothing. A total loss. And then Jesus steps out of the story. And he looks over the crowd. And he looks and he speaks directly into their hearts. And he speaks directly, I want you to hear this, he speaks directly to our hearts this morning. And he says this, so is the one, just the, what the guy described, so is the one who lays treasure, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What does it mean to be rich toward God? Well, I mean, practically it means giving away your stuff, giving away your money to the things that he values the most, which is people in his church. His heart's for the marginalized. His heart's, he, he's put his, he's, he loves his church. Being rich toward God is being rich to the, that which he loves and values. But it's not just a practice. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a mindset. And the mindset that it's totally antithetical to this consumption assumption that what comes to me is for me. Instead of thinking yourself a, a, of a consumer or even a hoarder of what comes your way, you first Build your life around being a distributor of what comes your way. That's what it means to be. Dis- that's what it means to be generous. It's having the mindset that what comes your the f- when it, when something comes your way, your first thought is distribution. It's not spending and hoarding. It's distribution. Makes generosity your num- number one. For- not your house is your number one priority. Financial priority. Your kids' education is your number one financial priority. Um, Nothing, being a generous, giving money away to be a generous person means that your number one financial priority is 
giving, to build your life around generosity. Now, I've been doing this long enough to know that that idea, like if you were to really feel that this morning, like if you were to really take me seriously or more importantly take the Bible seriously and and start to live that way and say, okay, if I put all my bills out and all my car payments, lease payment, house payment, whatever payment, you know, if I put all that and I was to push that all aside and make giving the priority, I'm afraid there won't be enough for me. And Jesus feels your fear. In fact, the, the fear of this, and maybe even what could be this, you would perceive the stupidity of this, will keep you from doing it. Jesus feels your fear. And he says these nine verses that I will mainly just read. because He says to his disciples, if you're a Christ follower, he says this to you. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, the, the, the bird on the, low, on the lowest part of the food chain. They neither sow nor reap. They neither have storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. Have how much value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And then he goes, another analogy. Consider the lilies, just kind of basically grass of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But, I, but if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And do not seek, do not make your priority what you are to eat or what you are to drink, nor be worried. Worry is outlawed in God's kingdom. For the nations of the world sink after things. People who do not know that they have a Father in heaven who loves them worry about these things. But you know what? Your Father in heaven who loves you knows that you need them. So, here's your financial priority. Seek his kingdom. and all, Seek his kingdom first and all these other things build around it. All these other things he'll know that you need. Now, here's what's fascinating to me about this. When Jesus says, you know how to get rid of financial worry? He, he doesn't say to get rid of financial worry, you need to save more. He says, the key to getting rid of financial worries, you need to give more. What? doesn't make any sense. Why? Why does he say that? Because financial worry is not an income issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's not because you don't have enough income because you have more than most. It's because you have put your trust in riches instead of the one who richly provides. And that's the key. The key here is it's, it's a massive spiritual. What am I going to put my hope and trust in? Am I going to put my hope and trust in what I perceive the things that I want and need? Or am I going to put my hope and trust in the one who richly provides? And, and being generous takes on a whole new meaning if you're, if you're a Christ follower. Because it means that you want to be like Jesus. And there is no one who is more generous than Jesus. He did not spare even his own life. If you're not a Christ follower, I mean, some of this is like, okay, don't, don't worry about this. You, you don't, 
You've not committed to following him, and so you're off the hook on this stuff. You don't have to do this if you don't want to. You can peek in. You can come along and hear and be with us. In fact, if you read the New Testament, many, most people did followed him and were around Jesus well before they believed in him. In fact, it wasn't until after the resurrection that many people believed in him. I mean, there's no one standing at the tomb going 10, 9, 8, 7. No, no one was doing that. No one was anticipating, even though he said it over and over again, that's what's going to happen. So if you're here, you're like, man, I don't really believe everything Jesus says. Hey, just come with us. Be, you could be a part of us. You don't have to believe everything. You can come follow him. Come, he, he's generous like that. He's, he's tender-hearted like that. And we hope to be that way too. But, 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 if you are a Christ follower here this morning, you say that Jesus is the best. He's the one I want to be like. And, and so we, we don't, what I'm encouraging you is not so much even his, te- this is his teaching. So, you know, following his teaching is, is a good thing to do. But more than we follow his teaching, we follow his life. And Jesus did not spend his life upgrading. He spent his life downgrading. He gave up everything, even his own life, in going to the cross. It says in 2 Corinthians, He that was rich became poor for our sake, so that, so that in our poverty we could become rich. He did that for us. And because he did that, because he, is, because he descended from the highest place, it says that he gets the name that's above any name. We say Jesus is the greatest. We say Jesus is the ideal man. We say Jesus lived the ideal life. And if we do that, if we really believe that, we will begin to build our life around being a generous person, which means we'll crush the consumption assumption that everything that comes to me is for me, and we'll stop thinking of ourselves as a consumer, and we'll start thinking of ourselves as a distributor. So when, when money comes our way, when a raise comes our way, when a bonus comes our way, when, when anything comes our way, we're not thinking, oh, consume, 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 or even save, 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 but first thing we're thinking, okay, God, how would you like me to distribute this? And you, fer- you begin to build your life around generosity. What if we did this? What if we all did this? Well, I'll tell you one thing. We would, be a, we, would, we would crush worry in our life. We wouldn't worry about finances anymore. I've been giving faithfully for 18 years. I've never worried about any of the money I've given away. I've worried about the money I've kept. I've worried about the money I've spent. Shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake. I've never regretted a a dime, a penny that I've ever given. And I have peace. I was an anxious young man wanting to, my goal was to make a million dollars by the time I was 35. I'm 40. Ask me how that's going. It's not going, (laughs) it's not going so well. Um, I drive an 03 minivan that's toast, but you can hear me coming from a mile away. And so we, uh. I've never regretted it. I have peace about it, though. I was anxious. I used to be anxious about it. I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm at peace about whatever I have. It's all in his wisdom. It's all in his grace. He's providing. He's taking care. I think we'd be at a lot more peace. But you know what? We do a lot of good. We've done a lot of good as a church. I think we could do more good as a church. We, could, we can help more people. We can extend more things. God put, God put that in your lap. God put that in our lap. That we can, we can lay up treasures in heaven. The only thing that will last in this life is his word and his people. It's the only thing. 
Invest in that. Invest in his people. Invest in people coming to know him. You will lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. As it says in Matthew, well, rust and moss will not destroy. Everything that you build in this life, the upgrades, it's all going to amount to nothing. We have amazing opportunity to gain peace for ourselves and to bless multiplied thousands of people. Why don't you get out your communication card?